in 2023. Welcome. Um, where to begin on a, you know, after a week like this? Just so much, so much going on here. Mr. Producer, I'm hearing some noise in the background. Thanks. Um, so, you know, I've got a lot of clips here that I just got to try to touch on and a lot of articles. And the first thing I would like to address is <clears throat> Ezra Levant and Avi Yemeni. Okay, so Mr. Producer, if you could have clip 11 ready, but I'm going to talk for a minute and then we'll just play a little bit of this clip in a little bit. But um, so Ezra Levant gets the big scoop. Okay, interview with he gets to really like kind of ambush Albert Bourla over there in Davos and John Kerry. Okay. Now, I know many of you, you know, the the big fish in alternative media, the Alex Joneses and so forth, uh, they'll be, oh, what a great job, you know, and so forth. But these guys, this is all orchestrated, okay? Ezra Levant, of course, is Jewish. Avi Yemeni, of course, is Jewish. These rebel media characters, okay? This really, they really are the Canadian fellow travelers with the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro gang. And I'm going to have to cover that stuff with Crowder briefly as well. Um, you remember when Luke Radowski from We Are Change, he just happened to get to chase down um lord rothschild in new york city like in an alley and he's just uh, allegedly walking by himself <clears throat> and you know radowski's jewish and of course he's a regular over there on tim pool's uh podcast tim cast irl you know and look these aren't these aren't dumb people that that are involved with this stuff. Um, Tim Poole and those guys were actually right there in the middle of the Crowder Shapiro Daily Wire stuff due to the fact that they were uh, all scheduled. Candace Owens was on, and of course she's going to defend <laughs> daily wire and throw Crowder under the bus. And it's really, um, an interesting kind of just as a spectator to watch the certain players, um, go back and forth about it. And, you know, I sent this out to people right when it was kind of breaking and people had this knee jerk, um, and I, I, I sent this stuff to people, and I was like, look, just go to this segment here and watch the contents of the contract. And I, I don't really care about the superfluous stuff around that, And but we're all, our minds are all also screwed up that 
you know, people, they, they, they take a knee jerk without just digging into the part that I was like, Hey, just check this out. And so it was kind of interesting just to watch that. Um, but the, 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 the contract that they, these proposals they tried to send to, uh, Crowder were very, you know, just, it was like a record contract. It remind me of the stuff Kanye West, um, was exposing about kind of like the music and fashion industries. So, and we'll get into that later. Um, but back to Levant, Ezra Levant and Avi Yemeni. Um, and they just got to get all these kind of ambush, orchestrated ambush, you know, interviews with various people. Uh, and, you know, there's all this stuff about a rebellion going on at the World Economic Forum of the staff, and they don't like the fact that Schwab is uh, like the permanent head of this thing, and they think it's baggage and, and so forth. So uh, lot, a lot breaking here with Pfizer and Moderna and this kind of war between these two and you know I played this young lady uh, Sasha Latapova uh, last week and what she's talking about and now Karen Kingston and the kind of like the Stu Peters side of the house over there are really saying well this this lady's putting out disinformation or purposeful um, hiding of certain information and so forth. So we'll try to get into that as well. But remember this about the Ezra Levant, Avi Yemeni stuff, getting these interviews. It really parallels Radowski getting to just miraculously uh, get next to Henry Kissinger as well. And um, Lord Rothschild to get these kind of uh, interviews where it really gets them their star kind of on the map, if you will, because this stuff gets regurgitated throughout tons of alternative media outlets. And then these people, they get their star to rise in the alternative media, but it's, it's, it's one big in-house Jewish, um, psyop, if you will. Now they ask tough questions to Borla and things like that, but that's part of it. You see, this is how, these guys get ingratiated into the goy mind is that oh you see Ezra and them guys they really got to put the put the nails to Bula and so and so like come on man the whole thing is orchestrated uh, so we're gonna play clip eleven just to just to regurgitate who Avi Yemeni is and this was Max uh, Eigen a while back go ahead and play clip eleven. And there's some language in here, but no big deal. Real news, folks. Avi Yemeni doing such great things for Australia. Avi Yemeni's a Zionist stooge, folks. Puts Israel first. Like, and bear in mind, and I've said before, this guy actually was born in Australia. And he actually went and got Israeli citizenship simply so he could go to Palestine and shoot Palestinians wanted to go to Gaza and shoot Palestinians because he likes shooting children in the face. Hatred in Islam. Yes, okay. Is this, is this you? Avi Yemeni. 
Yeah, that's right. Okay, listen. Can we get it on camera, please? Yeah, is this the same guy here yeah, that one Palestinian got shot in the face and he said, nice shot, boys? Is, yeah. is this the same guy? Oh. Is it the same guy, yeah? Not a kid. Okay, okay. Not a kid. Okay. Okay. Not a kid. Okay. 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 Shoot him in the face and you know what? Okay. Shoot him in the heart too. Okay, good, 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 good. Jihadi, good. a good jihadi good, is a good jihadi. Good, good. Okay, it's a good, it's a good start. Israeli it's a good start. One second, one second. What about Israeli? No, 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 they're, no, no, they're peace here. Jihadi. Have you, have you shot people like this guy? Answer, don't be shy. I've, don't be shy. I've Come served on. on the Gaza Strip. I've served Have you shot, shot people like this guy? Yes. Yes, yes you have. He has shot no, innocent no. people no, who go to the border. Let me finish, let me finish. You go to the border and throw what? They throw what? Stones. Now let me get this right, yeah? This guy is the big... That was, that was this kind of a Muslim apologist named Ali Dawah. And if you, and if you follow kind of like the uh, Islamic, um, let's just say proselytizing kind of crew um, on YouTube, you'll know who Ali Dawah is. And he's into it with um, David Wood a lot. Um from Act 17 Apologetics, and um, they go back and forth. And um, and another guy named Muhammad Hijab, uh, but it's interesting. But, um, you know, Avi Yemeni is an Australian guy, and then he's a dual Israeli-American citizen. He, he, of course, went did time in the IDF and all that stuff. And he's, he's one of Ezra Levant's lieutenants over there at Rebel News. And so no wonder why they would get some nice ambush, you know, interviews over there at Davos. Um, so Ron Klain is, oh, good old Biden's, White House Chief of Staff. Now he's leaving. Okay, so there's a lot of, you know, remember that I played that stuff last week about Spiro Agnew and <clears throat> Nixon being ran out of office and how people are seeing parallels to um, what they're possibly going to do to Biden. And so. Mr. Producer, we'll, uh, we're going to get clip two queued up, okay? And this was, this was today, actually, on Alex Jones' show with this, this um, attorney, Robert Barnes, okay? But I'm going to, you know, they've already kind of announced who Biden's uh, replacement is going to be. And so just for the hell of it, I'll... I kind of looked this guy up, Jeffrey Zients, Z-I-E-N-T-S, okay? American business ex executive and government official who served as counselor to the president and White House coronavirus response coordinator from January 2021 to April 2022. Um, as of 2023, the last couple days here, he's officially been designated the new chief of staff. Okay. Director of the National Economic Council from February 2014 to January 27. Also, um, 
acting director of the Office of Management and Budget. Oh, yeah, doing a real good job there, buddy. In 2010 and from 2012 to 2013. Um, So, and let's see, early life and education. Born in Washington, D.C., raised in Kensington, Maryland. His family is Jewish. Oh, isn't that amazing? Um, so one Jew goes out as chief of staff, the next Jew comes in. I mean, think about this statistically, folks. Um, in a country of allegedly 300 and something million people, um, these two percenters, these alleged two percenters get to just come in in and out of an interlocking directorate in high places like this in, in government. You know, just crazy. Um, so we got one Jew leaves, another goes in. And he's been all over the place. Um, was involved in the purchase of the Washington Nationals. Um, you know, it's just, it's just so sick to, you got all this, these people that this, this slime and sleaze. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and listen to, um, clip two. Let's go ahead and, and run that one. Two. The media calls a circular firing squad between Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro, but that's not. He said, I don't want the $50 million, which was over five years with bandwidth and crew. That's not that much money, folks. That ain't worth that much. I can tell you what it takes to run this. He's running a similar operation. So he leaves the blaze. He goes to them. They send him a contract saying, if Big Tech censors you, you're locked in the contract for five years, but you're not going to be paid any money. He said, this is insane. I'm not taking the deal, but what about your people? He goes, well, they're wage slaves. Then they spun it that he was mad and wanted more money, so he releases the recording showing that wasn't it. He had to. People said, oh, he's a bitch releasing that. He's only recorded people three times. I don't record people very often, but I deal with Megyn Kelly because when it's that evil, you should record it. Give us your take on it. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the contract wasn't a $50 million contract. The contract was an indentured servitude contract to be loyal to big tech or you lose your money for the next six years. You, you, you do the math. I mean, uh, uh, we've done these kind of contracts. We've seen these kind of contracts. It's common in the entertainment industry, sadly. It's a classic old record was, executive where, oh, you might get this if you do everything we say. Exactly. It's a contract that said, puts a big dollar amount up front that makes you tempted to take it. Then you dig into the details and you find out what this deal did. Steven Crowder was going to have to pay the Daily Wire money to produce his own content. And he would, re- and he, and they, Daily Wire, would keep all of the profits. It was literal indentured servitude. If Big Tech censored him, he owed them money under the contract. They didn't owe him anything, and they owned him for up to six years. They yeah. had unilateral provisions in place. So the contract wasn't a $50 million contract. It was, hey, Steven Crowder, be an indentured servant, be loyal to Big Tech, or, uh, you're, or, or, or be, that's your choice. Either be loyal to Big Tech, or you're going to be an indentured servant. And they even it. said, and- be our slave on the audio. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. That's exactly what it was all about. It was about the, the Daily Wire is, uh, is was founded by a billionaire family out of Texas, the, uh, uh, you know, connected to natural gas and fracking. 
that's involved in a real religious, weird religious movement that backed Ted Cruz, that founded the Daily Wire to take out Breitbart and Bannon, to try to take out the populist wing of the Republican Party. Jeremy Boring has admitted that it being an anti-Trump platform was their foundation. They were backed by spook-related money and spook-related sources. Their goal, it's not a coincidence they were big backers of Ted Cruz. It's not a coincidence they were big Trump haters. It's not a coincidence they've whored for every war in existence. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that if you're going to control the opposition, you should lead it. And and and, and it's, it's 100% that Ben Shapiro is a figurehead. And there's some good people that Daily are. I don't want to attack them all. But I'm going to tell you, folks, there's, they are worse than the Democrats. They are the Judas Goats. They are Judas Iscariot. Ben Shapiro is Judas Iscariot. Absolutely. I mean, and then he comes out and he lies about the contract. He lies about Steven Crowder. He lies about the negotiations. That's who these be. It's not a coincidence. And then we when- saw the Twitter bots turn on against Crowder. That's when you know. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. That. Look at the institutional media. All the media was anti-Crowder. That was their spin on this. The Reuters, AP, Young Turks, Media Matters, all those organizations all took the spin of the for the Daily Wire against uh, Steven Crowder. I think Crowder stumbled into this. Crowder didn't realize he was stumbling into an Operation Mockingbird operation. But, I mean, to give people an idea, the the Daily Wire is backed by billionaires, probably a billion-dollar company, makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year. This deal was done in order to lock up and co-opt and control and cabin and contain conservative voices. Which was what Fox News has been doing forever. Which is what Fox News did forever. Absolutely. It's exactly right. It's, it, you couldn't have a bigger contrast than the Daily Wire and InfoWars. See, what is is a lot of people who follow the Daily Wire, they follow, you know, Candace Owens can say some really good stuff. Andrew Clavin can say some really good stuff. They sometimes say really good stuff. But when you need them, the leaders of the Daily Wire are on the wrong side. They're pro-shot. They're, they're, they're pro-New World Order. A- 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 absolutely. They're anti-gun. Absolutely, I mean, that's who they are, and that's the definition of controlled uh, you opposition. Can stop it there. They'll be opposition. Now, some of that, some of that is serious hyperbole. Okay, you know Jones, um, he there's there's a lot you know to say they're this and they're that. Uh, you know, now let's listen. We're going to get clip fourteen ready, Mister Producer. This is Crowder himself, and this is what started the whole thing. Um, now. If, if you want to get the other side of it, you can listen to when Candace Owens was on with Tim Poole and all this other stuff. And there's a whole bunch of people that are taking the Daily Wire side that are actually alternative media people. Okay, so they're saying Crowder's a dirtbag for recording somebody that's supposedly his friend and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know he's in the wrong, and Daily Wire was in the right. Um, but let's let's just listen to the terms that they set out that they wanted Crowder to, let's say, um, come under with this contract. Now the first part of it is if you're somehow censored, um, you know you lose all this revenue and all this stuff, and so. Now, Candace Owens makes a, a kind of an interesting point. If you listen to her, where she's talking about, well, they presented all kinds of crazy stuff to me, too. This is what contract negotiations are. And so they're making the point that, hey, this is just the initial stuff on that they sent Crowder and Crowder flipped out and he didn't negotiate in good faith and could probably have wiped a lot of this goofy stuff 
um, out of the final, you know, writing of the contract and so forth. But let's just listen to it. Go ahead and run uh, 14. Effectively, uh, full ownership of all your social media uh, platforms, channels, in perpetuity, the rights to your content, name, image, likeness, um, even the ones that you've built. Don't sign contracts out there that include multi-million dollar penalties for different... Con- let, let, let me read you an example of what I mean. Um, and this would be if it was me. If Crowder fails to deliver a monthly content uh, in any month or any of the quarterly content in the corner, including any and all ad reads, and by the way, all these contracts came with three, four, five ad reads per show, which would fundamentally change what this show is. Got to get those dollar-dollar bills. If I failed to do that, it would be a $250,000 reduction in fee per quarter. If, let's say, uh, we did do everything per quarter, but annually maybe missed something, like let's say we went and did a change my mind instead of a daily show, which of course requires a lot more work, it would be a separate $1 million penalty for that if you miss a single piece of content. And the amount of content required is not in line with, frankly, it's worse than Disney. It's worse than ABC. It's worse than NBC. It's worse than CBS. This is ownership of you and everything that you do. But here's, just to drive it home, don't sign something that has another $100,000 daily penalty if it's not signed off on beforehand. You get, a sick, you get hit by a car, you have a sick day, you can lose $100,000 a day. Hey, anyone wonder why there's burnout in this? Anyone wonder why you have kids come up and they leave and never to come back? You think if you had that kind of a penalty, you think if someone said, hey, we're going to penalize you $10,000? Every day you miss coming into work, you think you'd be stressed? This is worse than the left frames their contracts. Again, I don't, of course I didn't sign any of these things. But I now know what other kids are signing out there. And here's the worst part. Yeah, that's terrible. I think it's, um, I just think that's wrong to treat people that way. But this is where, in going through this, and I need to take some time because, look, I, I've always tried to be a happy warrior, uh, and I want to go back to that. I haven't, been, I haven't been happy for a while. To be really, I, I haven't been happy for a while because when you know what goes on behind these scenes, and you see how many people are complicit, it creates an air of hopelessness. It really does. Where you think the people who are supposed to be linking arms and fighting with you, fighting for you, want to punish you. So here's the worst part. Do not, kids, under any circumstances, <coughs> sign a contract with people who claim to be conservative, but will penalize you 25% for any demonetization or sponsor boycott. Look, let me read this to you. If any of the major platforms, oh no, sorry, that's the second one. Let me go back to the first one. There's another 20%, it's 45% to get a content strike. Let's start with a demonetization. Uh, if you blank is boycotted or dropped by more than 50%. Um, all these stipulations in there. You know, uh, Gavin McInnes, who I really don't like, um, especially when he did this little fake arrest of himself and all this, uh, that was really just horrible, you know, 
thing to do in the in the climate we're living in. But he just did this little clip that I just I was screwing around on YouTube over the weekend. And he did a clip about Cheryl Crow having to at some, you know, music awards thing or some sort of a show where she had to come out and sing one of her old hits. And he was talking about this people being slaves to the contracts and these people, you know, and the the look on her face coming out and singing and uh, this old, you know, old hit song of hers. And it really, it really, you know, that people that are supposed to be, let's just say, you know, in a fight against tyrannical uh, government overreach and so forth, uh, they want to implement this through contracts. Uh, really, it really gets you into the mind of the Jewish entertainment industry and its its tributaries. One of them being big conservative, you know, incorporated. Okay, now. Market Realist. This is from March of last year. Who owns conservative media company and website, The Daily Wire? It was launched in 2015. Um, has a clear conservative bias and no wish to hide it. Ben Shapiro hosts one of its pop, most popular programs. Um, in February 2022, CEO and co-founder Jeremy Boring stated the company was earning $100 million a year. So who owns it? The company is owned entirely by Bentkey Ventures, LLC. In 2015, Boring, Shapiro, Caleb Robinson, and Ferris Wilkes started the Daily Wire with an initial investment by Wilkes. According to the company's site, Shapiro and Boring came up with the idea after Boring was fired from his job and Shapiro quit the same company. Um, Wilkes, who put up an initial invention uh, investment to launch the Daily Wire, owns it along with co-founders Boring, Shapiro, and Robinson, who together own Bent Key. That company was fu- for previously named Forward Publishing LLC. Forward, isn't that interesting? Isn't that MSNBC lean forward? Obama's big thing, Forward. Jewish Daily, Forward. <laughs> Um, it's just interesting. Um, so you get into billionaire pastor Ferris Wilkes and brother throw fortune behind getting Bible back in schools and other conservative causes. Now, what, what, what Bob Barnes was talking about Ferris Wilkes is pastor of his family church in rising star called assembly of Yahweh seventh day church. Okay, and there's a lot of assemblies of Yahweh and uh, House of Yahweh and a bunch of different ones, Yahweh groups. They call them Yahwist groups. Um, but it's, in, you know, it's fascinating. Um, so it's a conservative Christian outfit. Um, and it's interesting that he would jump in bed with uh, this militantly Talmudic Jew um, to start this um, endeavor. Okay. Now, you know, we know that there's a lot of people in the, um, let's say, kind of Christian 
circles, especially in Texas, that are very, very militant Zionists. And they believe that the Rothschild entity in the Middle East is actually the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And that, you know, you could argue that, you know, as long as the day is long, but. Uh, it's fascinating to see that, you know, I, I never really dug into who started the Daily Wire and this stuff, but, uh, you know, Barnes mentioned it, so I decided to do some little bit of digging. And, uh, you know, you come up with things like this. Uh, we should be probably coming up on break any second. Um, but National File, they seem to be taking the side of uh, Crowder by writing like these kind of hit pieces on Shapiro. Ben Shapiro shilled for the coronavirus vaccine and blasted Farrakhan for stoking vaccine hesitancy. Uh, who was right, Ben? You or uh, old uh, Minister Farrakhan? And we'll cover this other one when we come back. are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste by going to...
Chinatown Trail Break. All right, we're back. Network. So, uh, Ben Shapiro's shield for the replacement of white people in America. The great replacement is real. This is from yesterday. Neoconservative pundit Ben Shapiro, the Daily Wire, shield for the bipartisan uniparty movement to replace white people in America through mass migration, echoing the ideology of Jewish identitarian groups like the ADL. Shapiro tweeted a racially charged anti-white message on June 16, 2017, during the first year of the Trump presidency. Shapiro tweeted, and by the way, I don't give a good damn about the so-called browning of America. Color doesn't matter. Ideology does. Well, somebody that's supposedly as smart as he is knows that a lot of times ideology and color are um, inseparably intertwined. Okay, and I'll get into some of this um, maybe next. Um, As the white share of the population declines in America, many commentators on both sides of the aisle, including Shapiro-style conservatives, militantly propagandize against white racial identity, making it clear that the establishment in the U.S. wants pro-white interests to be marginalized. The Great Replacement, which has been noticed by many, is still presented as a so-called conspiracy theory, even though facts prove that it's happening in a very real, very real statistical and also political sense. And um, that leads me to which it was in my notes, which I could just. I didn't get to last week, but Congressional Democrat moves to end free speech for white people. As we know, the one of the most looney tune members of Congress, Sheila Jackson Lee, introduced legislation that will charge white people with federal hate crimes for questioning immigration or criticizing non-whites. Okay, so we've all been exposed to this. Um, I mean – Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023, you know, um, and this ties in to what's going on over there in Davos. Okay, so you got Sheila Jackson Lee. You know, you think this buffoon is smart enough to write any of this legislation? Of course, she's not. They give this to the racial bomb throwers uh, in the Democratic Party. Um, they could they could have handed it to any of them: Cory Bush, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, uh, AOC, any of these people. They would have been good candidates to introduce this legislation. But old Sheila down there, in, I think she's Houston. If if I'm, not, it's either Houston or Dallas. You know, um, but I think it's Houston. Uh, she was selected to bring forth this legislation. Okay, now. Go over here. America will soon have hate speech laws. EU Commission Vice President tells the World Economic Forum. Okay. Vera Jourova, the EU Commission VP for Values and Transparency. We will the and she's telling one of our own 
congressman sitting there, your your country will soon have these, <laughs> you little punk. And and the and the, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a former uh, Marine Corps officer that was sitting there next to her. He's an officer of the Marine Corps, and he ran as a Democrat, and he's in there. And this punk sat there and smiled when she said that. And I looked up who he was, and I had it in my notes somewhere. Um, but uh, just insane that there was a Marine Corps officer sitting next to her, a congressman, and didn't say a word about it and just smiled. And I think Joe Manchin was there as well. So they're bragging. Okay. Now let's talk about um, what kind of I covered last week was the um, this whole kind of Nixon Agnew formula that that might be used. Now Barnes said it earlier that they hate Kamala enough, they'd probably like to do an Agnew on her before they take out um, Joe. I I still don't agree. I think they're going to try to put Kamala in due to the fact of who her hubby is, old Mr. Emhoff, Douglas Emhoff. Um, But, Mr. Producer, get clip three ready. Now, this, you know, Tucker Carlson did this. Uh, in the last couple of days, and you gotta wonder. Okay, you know Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity are both definitely controlled by f- factions at Langley uh, or the Pentagon, but pr- most likely Langley CIA. You know, Tucker is a you know blue blood type. Um, but for him to be able to say what I'm going to play for you, just think about not necessarily, okay, Tucker's really hitting it out of the park, but who let him say this on Fox News? And, I mean, either it's got to be one or two things. Tucker's off the reservation and he's in serious danger, or they're running a gamut here on us, a dialectic. And which I, of course, definitely lean towards, you know, that 95 percent. But just think of the people that are sitting there watching MSNBC and and CNN versus the the part of the country that's watching Tucker, the biggest show out there. So you see how they're feeding different people completely. I mean, you know, thousand mile difference, chasm of information to where why do you think the country is so split up but let's go ahead and roll clip three want to understand if you really want to understand how the american government actually works at the highest levels and if you want to know why they don't teach history anymore one thing you should know is that the most popular president in american history was richard nixon richard nixon yet somehow without a single vote being cast by a single american voter richard nixon was kicked out of office and replaced by the only unelected president in American history. So we went from the most popular president to a president nobody voted for. Wait a minute, you may ask, why didn't I know that? Wasn't Richard Nixon a criminal? Wasn't he despised by all decent people? (laughs) No, he wasn't. 
In fact, if any president could claim to be the people's choice, it was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was reelected in 1972 by the largest margin of the popular vote ever recorded before or since. Nixon got 17 million more votes than his opponent. Less than two years later, he was gone. He was forced to resign. And in his place, an obedient servant of the federal agencies called Gerald Ford took over the White House. How did that happen? Well, it's a long story, but here are the highlights, and they tell you a lot. Richard Nixon believed that elements in the federal bureaucracy were working to undermine the American system of government and had been doing that for a long time. He often said that. He was absolutely right. On June 23, 1972, Nixon met with the then CIA director, Richard Helms, at the White House. During the conversation, which thankfully was tape recorded, Nixon suggested he knew, quote, who shot John, meaning President John F. Kennedy. Nixon further implied that the CIA was directly involved in Kennedy's assassination, which we now know it was. Helms's telling response, total silence. But for Nixon, it didn't matter because it was already over. Four days before, on June 19th, the Washington Post had published the first of many stories about a break-in at the Watergate office building. Unbeknownst to Nixon and unreported by the Washington Post, four of the five burglars worked for the CIA. The first of many dishonest Watergate stories was written by a 29-year-old Metro reporter called Bob Woodward. Who exactly was Bob Woodward? Well, he wasn't a journalist. Bob Woodward had no background whatsoever in the news business. Instead, Bob Woodward came directly from the classified areas of the federal government. Shortly before Watergate, Woodward was a naval officer at the Pentagon. He had a top-secret clearance. He worked regularly with the intel agencies. At times, Woodward was even detailed to the Nixon White House, where he interacted with Richard Nixon's top aides. Soon after leaving the Navy, for reasons that have never been clear, Woodward was hired by the most powerful news outlet in Washington and assigned the biggest story in the country. And just to make it crystal clear what was actually happening, Woodward's main source for his Watergate series was the deputy director of the FBI, Mark Felt. And Mark Felt ran, and we're not making this up, the FBI's COINTELPRO program, which was designed to secretly discredit political actors the federal agencies wanted to destroy, people like Richard Nixon. And at the same time, those same agencies were also working to take down Nixon's elected vice president, Spiro Agnew. In the fall of 1973, Agnew was indicted for tax evasion and forced to resign. His replacement was a colorless congressman from Grand Rapids called Gerald Ford. What was Ford's qualification for the job? Well, he had served on the Warren Commission, which absolved the CIA of responsibility for President Kennedy's murder. Nixon was strong-armed into accepting Gerald Ford by Democrats in Congress. Quote, we gave Nixon no choice but Ford, Speaker of the House Carl Albert later boasted. Eight months later, Gerald Ford of the Warren Commission was the President of the United States. See how that works? So those are the facts. Not speculation, all of that actually happened. None of it's secret, most of it actually is on Wikipedia. But no mainstream news organization has ever told that story. It's so obvious, yet it's intentionally ignored. And as a result, permanent Washington remains in charge of our political system. Unelected lifers in the federal agencies make the biggest decisions in American government and crush anyone who tries to rein them in. And Permanent. in the process, our democracy... Uh, you can That's your senior executive service gang that really, you know, runs the, you know, uh, the, 
the the power centers, the levers, but they got orders from on higher places, you know. So let's see, we got time for this. Let's get clip one ready. So this is this is Stu Peters and and Karen Kingston, okay, from uh, last week, uh, where I played the. Sasha Latapova stuff about warp speed and everything being completely military. Um, and this is kind of like splitting hairs, but I figured I'd throw it out there because if you look at it, the you got Borla in charge of Pfizer. Okay. You got BB and I, and I'll, Play the the stuff from BB. Uh, it looks like there was a Jewish t- complete Jewish takeover of Pfizer itself, and this is kind of a stealth uh, Trojan horse to actually co-opt these governments. Remember at the beginning when the when these quack scenes rolled out, and then all these countries had to basically sign over like infrastructure and military bases and and hardware and all this to Pfizer as collateral. Do you remember that in all these countries around the world? And we were all like, what the hell's going on here? Well, um, I got a connection lost. You hear me, Mr. Producer? We just lost. <laughs> Was I the whole time? Okay, yeah, because I got I lost connection. So basically, let me get back into where I lost connection. Was remember it, it during the vaccine rollout? All these company, all these countries had to do these weird agreements with Pfizer's um, signing over as collateral a lot of strange things in their countries, infrastructure, military bases and hardware and all that stuff. And we were all like, what the hell's going on here? Well, this kind of uh, is a tie-in, let's just say. Let's go ahead and play the first part of clip one. Karen Kingston has a big, big find about Pfizer and its relation to both the United States federal government and their biggest vaccine rival, Moderna. Basically, a lot of the mRNA patents are held jointly by Moderna and the NIH. The technology of these patents is used in all COVID shots globally. Why is that important? Well, detractors of this show and the information provided by Karen Kingston might say, well, just because there's patents doesn't mean that they're used. No, the technology of these patents is used in 100% of COVID shots globally. That's a windfall for Moderna because Pfizer sold far, far more of their mRNA shot than Moderna did of theirs. Pfizer sold so many of their shots, in fact, that they now owe Moderna a payment in the billions of dollars. But Pfizer is trying to stiff Moderna on this. Moderna has sued and Pfizer has countersued. Imagine that. Evil people squabbling over their ill-gotten riches. What's new? 
But Karen Kingston says there's yet another twist to this, which also involves our own federal government trying to enrich itself off the sale of these lethal bioweapon injections. Kingston's been writing about all of this over on her Substack, and the biggest part of this is something that may be really difficult for many of you to wrap your heads around. But listen, about a year ago, a whole year ago, we were live on this program on the air when I said Pfizer is the new world government, meaning our own federal government is not, in fact, calling the shots. Pfizer is. Karen is here with us now to discuss this in greater detail. Karen, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Stu. Um, yeah, what, I, what we're about to share with your audience today, it, it's a bombshell. It's something that you should, you should take a seat before we go through this. I went through the contract, the Pfizer contract, in more, de- more detail, and they waived the Bay-Dole Act. And I know you don't know what that means, but anyone that works with the government and has seen a government contract, this is unheard of. What does the Bay-Dole okay, pause Act it for a mean? Second. It means what, what we kind of know what it means. Now, Bay-Dole, Evan Bayh, remember him, B-A-Y-H, Senator Evan Bayh? And a oh, good old Bob Dole. That's the Evan by Bob Dole, that by Dole Act. Okay, you can look it up, but go ahead and uh, resume. Means when you work with the government, if the government gives you a grant for an invention, that means that grant you have all granted the government exclusive rights to all that intellectual property when you create a patent, even if you only use a portion of the grant. If you do manufacturing with the government and you had your own ideas. And the first time you manufacture with the government, the government says, now we own your intellectual property. If you work on government time, your ideas basically belong to the government. So they waived the Bay-Dole Act, but, it, but they actually were more specific than that. So it's not just that the government said, we're not um, making you give us your intellectual property. We're going to give you all of our intellectual property. The contract that Pfizer made with the U.S. government Pfizer now appears to own about 32 patents for the mRNA lipid nanoparticle bioweapon technology that was created by the United States government, universities, institutions, China, the Chinese military, Europe, Germany, and other developed industrial nations, governments, militaries, and private sector. That's what's happened. So now Pfizer owns the intellectual property. They are literally calling the shot. So I want to read two parts of the contract. First, in Section 7.1, Inventions, it says, As between Pfizer and the government, all inventions conceived or first actually reduced to practice in the performance of the statement of work shall be owned by Pfizer. What does reduced to practice mean? That's like, so Ralph Barrick, he's has all, and Anthony Fauci, they created all these patents you know, for mRNA sequences, for lipid nanoparticle technology, but they've actually never been created. Reduced to practice means as soon as you've taken invention and create something that you can see and touch, you actually create a, you know, you manifest, it's a real thing in the world, that now designates you as the original patent inventor. So all that money that Pfizer, that Fauci and Barrick used for the, for the American dollars to create these bioweapons, that now belongs to Pfizer. Also, in the second part, third, a fourth paragraph under inventions, it says the government acknowledges that the Bay-Dole Act does not apply to or govern this agreement. And again, the Bay-Dole Act, what does that do? The, that grants the government non-exclusive, irrevocable, paid-up licenses. That's what it does, right? 
And now the government's saying, no, Pfizer's saying, no, you don't own everything. We own everything. There's other two other clauses in here that are that's strange. They gave up USC, 35 USC 203, which is marching rights, and USC 204. What is, I'm going to go to 204 first. 204 says when you contract right, with the government. stop and it there one, and go to 532. And I was wrong. That's Birch Bay of Indiana and Bob Dole of Kansas. Now, Birch Bay, I guarantee you, is Evan Bay's father. It just gives you some more proof of nepotism, just like uh, oh, Romney's, uh, Romney's pops, big politician. So um, uh, Evan Bay, uh, from the, I'm sure that's Birch's kid, and he became uh, a senator later. Um, but this is where it gets into uh, this Sasha Latipova kind of dust up. Let's play that second part of 532. So what's happened now, Stu, again, is Pfizer owns about, and again, I did that work on Geovax on your show about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where Geovax entered into a royalty agreement with the, the NIH and NHS, and they list 32, they list 32 patents. Those are the 32 patents they would have licensed us, again, from all over the world, from different governments and militaries. The government just signed that over to Pfizer. So why are there other experts out here? I mean, I can think of a handful of them, one of them, Sasha Latipova, that says, no, the United States government is actually in control here. But they're not. It's Pfizer. So where is the confusion coming in? The confusion is coming from Sasha Latipovia. Uh, that, that's where it's coming in from. So she, she's an expert from a contract research organization, an executive. Um, most people know – I'm a former executive. I used to be people's boss's boss's boss. I'm excellent at contract ne negotiations. Wilson Sonsini Goodrich was one of my uh, law firms that I worked with. So the fact that she read this, this contract, and this is what she's been focused on for a year and a half, I think she said, um, like just exclusively these contracts and hasn't brought that to our attention, is extremely alarming. So um, – the confusion is coming from the fact that experts are coming forward saying, I looked at this document and they tell you the opposite of what it says. And I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but Dr. Malone went on Steve Bannon on August 24th saying, I looked at the FDA approval, pro, uh, um, FDA approval and it was for a company, BioNTech. It wasn't for Pfizer. And that was just a false statement. So people are confused because the people that they trust are making false statements to them, either intentionally or just out of uh, ineptitude. So again, people don't know my background, but I would I would fire people like this. I would say you are you go you have one warning and then you're off the team if you continue this behavior and making these false statements. So I'm just telling you this is what the contracts state, and 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 the FDA approval process wasn't a psyop. You have when you go into a court of law, you have to see what the contract says. So Sasha did a whole tour of media, and and when she's on these shows. They literally put up the, in the background uh, section 1.2, the scope, and, and Sasha's saying, well, the, the FDA trials weren't real because they didn't pay for them and they weren't required. Under section 1.2, under the scope, it says the uh, vaccine medical countermeasures, you know, they're not going to be released to the American people until you have successful clinical trials. And then they specifically refer to the 2017 FDA regulation document that walks through how you get an EU authorization and how that process is separate from initial new drug application. I don't want to lecture everyone on a med legal review process, but we're getting, we're getting false information now. This is alarming information. The reason why this is so important, Stu, is that the government's not in charge. 
According All to right, this you contract, can go ahead and stop it. We'll cover some of this when we get back, and then we'll move on. Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country, here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. 